Hi, I'm Steve Lance, your host of the Capitol Report on NTD News. If you have not done so yet, please hit that subscribe button to stay up to date with all of the latest news coming out of the nation's capital and beyond. The race for the next chair of the RNC Republican National Committee is heating up as current chair Ronna McDaniel makes her bid for yet another term. Mark Meckler is president of Convention of States Action, and we're happy to have him on with us to discuss. Mark Meckler, thank you so much for joining us. Great to be with you. Mark, you penned an op-ed uh, earlier for the Daily Caller where you said that it's time for the Republican Party to move on from Ronna McDaniel uh, as chair of the RNC. Why do you think she has to go? Well, look, to me, it's simple business. And what we've seen is in three continuous cycles, we've had three bad results. And whether it was a CEO or the coach of a football team at that point, you look for new leadership at the top. And one of the things that you've got to look at at the RNC is who's heading the RNC, who's setting the direction, who's setting the tone, who's setting the narrative. And in this case, that's Ronna McDaniel. And without the results to say that she should stick around for an unprecedented fourth term, it seems she should go. And it seems that Republican voters agree with us. Well, uh, to your point, Trafalgar and Convention of States uh, poll found that uh, 73 percent of Republican voters um, say the party should elect somebody else. Now, with that said, have you talked to, you know, party insiders, officials within the RNC and, and, and gotten a gauge as to what they're thinking as well? Yeah, you know, I'm, I really am somewhat of a party outsider, and I hang out with the grassroots out in the field. So, now I'm not really involved in inside party politics. The buzz that I hear on the street is that all the momentum right now is with Harmeet Dillon, but that Ronna McDaniel still definitely has the advantage. Look, she is the insider. She knows the committee, the 168 who actually cast the votes. Much easier for her to lobby them and easier to go with the person you know than, than the change. So I would say she's got the inside leg, but all the momentum is with Dylan. You mentioned Harmeet Dillon. You also have uh, Mike Lindell, who's thrown his hat in the ring. Um, who's your pick, and, and what, what do you particularly like about their vision for the party? Yeah, you know, so I'll be honest with you, I, I don't actually have a pick. I mean, the interesting thing I find about Lindell, I would say, is that he's running and has run a big, complicated company. So I think that gives him an advantage when it comes to potentially revamping and running the RNC. thing that I haven't seen from Lindell, which I'm, I'm curious to see, I'd be anxious to see, is any form of a real campaign. I hear a lot about uh, Harmeet Dillon on the airwaves. I hear a lot about her among the grassroots. I'm just not hearing that much about Lindell, so I'm not sure exactly why that is. We would pull that if I see the buzz rising up around him. For Harmeet Dillon, what I like about Harmeet is that she seems to be a warrior. I mean, she's out there. She's willing to put her neck on the line. She's willing to be out front. She seems like a good, solid spokesperson for conservative values. And I think that's one of the things that the RNC is struggling with right now. It just doesn't seem like Ronna McDaniel is even a good spokesperson for the RNC. So my last question for you uh, regarding Rana, uh, what do you say that, to the idea that after all she's won uh, the GOP back the majority in the House of Representatives? Well, I, I want to be entirely fair here and I would say that I don't think that the RNC's problems are all Rana McDaniel problems. Uh, I mean, she, she inherits an RNC that is structurally what it is. I think it's structurally broken. I think it needs to be revamped from top to bottom and bottom to top, and that goes a lot deeper than Ronna McDaniel and a lot of problems that fundamentally aren't her problem. But I would say in regard to 2022 specifically, everybody was predicting a huge red wave. It didn't come, and the bottom line is the results land on her desk at the R in regard to the RNC's role in that, and so I think that's why she's taking the brunt of the heat. 
Mark Meckler, president of Convention of States. Really appreciate your perspective. Thank you. The Chinese Communist Party is in the spotlight yet again as the world is watching how the CCP continues to handle the latest outbreak within its borders. Questions being raised over what the actual number of COVID-19 deaths is inside of the communist nation. A number that is hard to get to, but the evidence is mounting that the number is far greater than what has been reported. Our next guest has spent a lot of time helping the Chinese people escape oppression, founder of Women's Rights Without Frontiers, Reggie Littlejohn. Reggie Littlejohn, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. It's always a pleasure. Of course, uh, Reggie, I'd like to get your thoughts on the current situation that we see uh, potentially unfolding out of China. Uh, reporting there, obviously, as you know, can be difficult due to the strict control uh, of the media, by the CCP, the internet, censorship, et cetera. Uh, however, it appears that there's been a dramatic population decrease due to the pandemic. What do you make of this, given the fact that CCP has only reported something like 60,000 deaths? Well, I, I think that uh, this is the first time the population has officially declined in 60 years since the Great Leap Forward. And it's not, it, it, what they're reporting is 850,000 fewer people this year than last year. And the thing that's remarkable about this, I do, I do agree that the pandemic has something to do with it and all the deaths in China. And I do believe that China, because of um, just a way of saving face, they do not report accurately on all of their deaths. But I also believe that this population decline um, is, is due to the attitudes that China instilled into people through the one-child policy, the two-child policy, and the three-child policy, which is that they hammered it into the, the heads of people so um, brutally, really, murderously, uh, that one that really you only need one child and that uh, children are a burden and not a blessing, that people basically don't want to have more children. And I think that the Chinese Communist Party assumed that when they opened things up slightly with a two-child policy and a three-child policy, that people would leap to have more children and they would be able to forestall this population decline. But because of the attitudes that they instilled, people are not leaping to have more children and they are facing now a seriously declining population. Now, I just want to mention the, you know, the satellite imagery is one way because, as I mentioned, China being so closed off, when you look at aerial uh, views of certain parts of China above crematoriums pre-2020 and, and also, you know, the months and, and years following, um, it looks as though they're overwhelmed. There's a lot more traffic. Um, we're, we're seeing photographs of hospitals uh, being overwhelmed. It's hard to quantify, but should governments, the World Health Organization, be asking more questions? Well, definitely. And the World Health Organization is very deeply compromised by China, and they're not gonna take China to task and, and, and force them to open up and see what's really going on there. But I will tell you something interesting. Um, as you know, I have a network on the ground inside of China, uh, saving baby girls and widows, but we get reports from the Chinese countryside. And um, what they're saying is that everyone in China has COVID. It's 100% of people have had it or, or, or have it right now. And they have enough distrust of the government that they're saying that because of the rapidly aging population, um, that China has deliberately infected everybody with COVID to get rid of the elderly. Now, I'm not saying that that's true, 
What I'm saying is that that is what I'm hearing from my network that people are the scuttlebutt that people are saying to each other. And what it is is an indication of how people feel about the government and whether that Chinese Communist Party has their best interests at heart. That raises a very interesting point um, because, you know, I think a lot of people thought that COVID zero may have led to not having natural immunity. But it sounds like from what you're saying, the virus has been spreading, uh, you know, wildly there for the past three years, just been covered up to a certain extent. So natural immunity, uh, I'm sure a lot of people have it, but people are still dying. But I do want to switch gears and just ask you about, um, you know, COVID zero ushering what seems to be this new era of tracking, especially in China. What type of infrastructure is in place in China specifically uh, to track people and how concerning is this to you? So China has a, a social credit system which tracks everything and, and specific to COVID. And the zero COVID policy, I mean, they've got real-time geolocation, so they know where everybody is at all times. They've got facial recognition, um, and they've got a, 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 um, an app on people's phones that is either green if you can travel, yellow or red if you, are, if you haven't had your immunization or if you are sick. And so they have used these to paralyze people and really seriously lock them down to the extent that there are those massive protests that broke out all over China you know, a month or so ago, the biggest protests that China has seen since Tiananmen Square. And I just want to say that, uh, especially in Shanghai, where there is so much surveillance, the protesters were actually saying things like uh, that Xi Jinping should step down, that the Chinese Communist Party should step down. And these people are subject to that tracking system. And, and so they were incredibly brave to be taking the stand that they did, and the stand that they took ended up stopping this, this horrific zero COVID policy. Reggie Littlejohn, really appreciate you joining us. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I just want to thank everybody for listening to this episode. If you enjoy our content, please leave us a rating and a review, as it really goes a long way in helping us spread the truth. Until next time, I'm your host, Steve Lance at NTD, and we'll see you soon.